Well, welcome once again to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It's so grateful to have the opportunity to be here with you today uh, to talk about some events that are really important. Uh, there are three different stories in particular that we're, we want to be talking about. Uh, first and foremost, what's coming up today in the second hour of this full 90-minute edition of the Bottom Line Show, and that is on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We'll be discussing the attack on Jose Alba, the uh, Bodego uh, manager the running the uh, store there in New York who was attacked by an African-American guy who uh, threatened him physically and uh, put him in a an awkward spot and he wound up grabbing a knife and stabbing this man just to get him off of him and he wound up hitting a uh, jugular or something like that and wound up killing him and uh, it was an attack that was provoked and yet uh, he was charged with second-degree murder and was sent to Rikers Island before being released. The, the four of us are going to have a, a very, I think, spirited conversation about that. And, oh, by the way, um, in addition to that, we've got a special part on the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast this week uh, discussing women and combat and the draft. The selective service is the way they refer to it in the United States government. We haven't had a selective service uh, event since 1973, but young men still legally are required. If you're between 18 and 25 years of age, you're supposed to sign up for the draft. And you are between 18 and 25, potentially draftable. Uh, there are some members of the House and Senate who feel it would be the right thing to do for women's equality, among other reasons, to start drafting women. We talk about that in the podcast section of today's edition of National Crawford Roundtable. So uh, check that out. Four o'clock Pacific here on our flagship affiliate KBRT. Uh, if you're listening from KCBC, you already heard it this morning because they carry it 1030 on uh, on Thursday morning. Uh, KLZ, our sister station, along with KLTT in Denver, also picked this up. Uh, various times throughout the week and weekend. So I really hope you'll uh, you'll check it out. You know, uh, today uh, we're, we're going to be talking this hour about the number of people who have had near-death experiences or people who have faced the possibility uh, they might lose their lives here on Earth. It's kind of a multifaceted conversation, but I want to start the ball rolling by saying, as you know, I asked for prayer about three months ago for a very dear friend of mine, my buddy Gary Robinson, uh, who uh, wound up uh, fighting a successful battle with cancer and now is home with the Lord after having received his ultimate healing uh, back at the end of April. And what it was like for me to experience that with him and with his widow, uh, Kathy, uh, we've all known each other since we were kids. And, uh, you know, now you're into your 60s and it, it, you know, it really does kind of put a different frame on it. I've had several people over the past five, six years who have passed from this life to the next at what I thought was a very young age, uh, maybe too young for this to happen. Um, I know that in my own uh, life, uh, having had my issues with my heart and then recently battling COVID and you ask the question, gee, I wonder, you know, what, what, when's it going to happen? But there's a new wrinkle in this near-death experience that's happening um, and it, we're seeing it happening globally, you know, all over the world. And that is the number of Christians in this increasingly violent world who are being persecuted for their faith to the point where it looks as though they could potentially lose their lives. Now, here in the United States, if someone is, quote unquote, persecuted for their faith, it's because their business is threatened. Aaron and Melissa Klein, Baron L. Stutzman, Jack Phillips, the list goes on. The number of people who are our brothers and sisters in Christ who've had their rights challenged or had their businesses threatened. Maybe there's been some firebombing or, you know, defacing of public property. It's an inconvenience. It's nerves wracking. There's no question about it. But when you see what's happening worldwide with regard to, um, our faith in Christ and the number of people in our, the body of Christ who find themselves under attack, there are currently about 2 billion people in the United States who identify as Christians, who would prefer, or excuse me, in the world, who identify as Christians. There's about 2 billion Christians and about 1.5 billion Muslims. That makes up almost half of the world's population. Everybody else is something else. But when you look at the number of people who profess faith in Christ, how many of our brothers and sisters are actually facing persecution, displacement, and the like. Well, Leela Gilbert, of course, has been a longtime contributor to The Bottom Line Show. I've had the privilege of knowing Leela for a good 15 years or so. She is Senior Fellow for International Religious Freedom and Coalitions Coordinator at Family Research Council. Uh, she has a long record of advocating for persecuted believers and addresses current-day faith and freedom issues. Uh, heck, I met Leela when she had written a book on single parenting. <laughs> 
It's amazing what a wealth of information Leela has become. And I should point out, too, for many people in our listening audience may not be aware of this, uh, Leela has done so in the time of her life when a lot of people would say, it's time to retire. It's time to hang it up. She had the opportunity about 15 years ago to move to Israel, uh, to live in Jerusalem. She was working on a book project. It was just her. Kids are grown. And she said, why not? And she wound up living there 10 years and has such a bird's eye view of what it was like to watch Christians and Muslims and, and Jews living side by side in an area like the Holy Land and seeing what it really is like to be a Christian and to, in her case, to be a Christian woman in an area where you're not always welcome. She wrote an article recently that was posted in the Christian Post, and I want to share it with you. We're going to put it up at thebottomlineshow.com. Yeah, I posted earlier this week, and it's called 360 Million Christians Face Persecution, Displacement, and Homelessness Globally. Here's what Leela wrote. Across today's increasingly violent world, Christians who are persecuted for their faith can be numbered in the hundreds of millions. Most of them live in poverty and constant uncertainty, yet they continue to pray, praise, and openly worship. Far too many are subjected to horrifying scenarios. There are vicious abuses of converts to Christianity in Iran, for example, ongoing massacres in Nigeria, and violent assaults on Afghan Christian believers. In fact, on the 5th of July, just a week or so ago, International Christian Concern, ICC, exposed their ominously titled Persecutor of the Year Awards for 2022. And the three worst persecutors that they have, I don't know how else you describe it, but have awarded are Iran, Nigeria, and Afghanistan. But those are hardly the only ones. Open Doors annually publishes a World Watch list focusing on the world's 50 persecuting countries, the worst persecutors, identifying them in order of their brutality. Boy, that must be a tough row to hoe. At the time of World Watch List's 2022 release, the number of Christians who were experiencing high levels of persecution and discrimination was over 360 million worldwide. Although Christians aren't the only people of faith that suffer for their beliefs, Leela writes, they are unquestionably the most endangered. Tens of thousands have died in recent years, and innumerable believers have fled their impossibly dangerous hometowns and even their countries of origin. According to a sobering report published in June 2022 by Open Doors called Church on the Run, quote, they have been forcibly displaced from their homes because of their religious identity, either as sole or contributory factor. The displacement of Christians from their homes and communities is a deliberate strategy of religious persecution designed to erase the presence of Christianity from regions where persecution is most intense. Recent figures demonstrate the scale of global displacement. There are currently a record 100 million people who have been forcibly displaced worldwide because of their Christian faith. Leela Gilbert continues, the report explains that, quote, Christians are more likely to be forced out of their homes and countries and more likely to experience psychological and physical violence once displaced on account of their religious identity and activity. Their protection needs are often poorly understood or even willfully ignored. There are four primary sources of endangerment and abuse that ultimately cause Christians to flee. These threats are magnified in the cases of those who have converted from other religions and particularly from Islam. The first source of danger is their own families, whether immediate or extended. The next is government officials, whether local or national. Another risk is their local community, sometimes including mob violence. And the fourth danger is violent religious groups. These factors are very much at work in the three countries identified above, Iran, Nigeria, and Afghanistan. Leela Gilbert's reporting is always so good in this regard, and I think it's helpful for us to look statistically at how sobering these challenges are. And you know, as, as Christians here in the United States, I think it's safe for us to say, uh, thinking back to my buddy Bob Bennett's song um, from years and years ago off the nonfiction album, uh, he was talking, I, the, I can't remember the title of the song off my mind, but I can uh, I remember the line. I, maybe it's the doing of the thing, so maybe that's not nonfiction. But in the doing of the thing, he talks about, we like to do our bidding, we like to do our praying with our fingernails clean. That's such a powerful line. Um, I think this, the, the song is called The Doing of the Thing. The idea that we here in the body of Christ will complain about how tough it is. You know, Christians who, uh, a guy like Joe Kennedy, again, and I don't uh, disparage Joe at all for taking a knee at 
midfield, being challenged by the crabby atheist, angry humanist group, and then, you know, prevailing at the Supreme Court. That's wonderful for the rule of law and the practice of religion openly, as I believe the founders intended it to be. But I think we run a real risk as Christians of misinterpreting what real persecution is when we start juxtaposing a guy like Joe Kennedy or maybe Aaron and Melissa Klein against the 100 million Christians who are physically displaced from their homes with threats of violence every year, or the 360 million who run the risk of literally losing their lives. There were death threats against some of these American Christians, but I don't think, I, I really do think, honestly, it pales in comparison to what Christians in Afghanistan or other parts of the world are experiencing. This global approach, I think, is helpful for us in the sense not that we identify woke, globalistic, progressive values, but rather we see what God's doing all over the world. And, you know, one man who is a great evangelist, and I think a great apologist, though he might say he's more evangelist than apologist, is a man by the name of Lee Strobel. Now, you know Lee Strobel for the case for Christ. You know him for the case for faith, um, the case for Christmas. He's the case for guy. Earlier this year, well, I guess last year, he wrote a book called The Case for Heaven. And he was approached by a production company, and they said, hey, we think it would be great if you found some people across the country, and we'll help you find them, who've had what we would call near-death experiences. Now, Lee almost uh, died from an illness a couple of years ago, and so he knows what it's like to kind of be in that zone, but not in the near-death, I saw heaven and angels going up and down the ladder, you know, type of experience that is becoming more common. And so he wrote a book called The Case for Heaven. They filmed a documentary called The Case for Heaven, and then that documentary was, re- was released and had a limited release with Fathom Events back in early April, right around Easter time. Well, now there's a special opportunity for you as a bottom line listener to watch the Case for Heaven documentary exclusively on pureflix.com. Pureflix will be, uh, starting tomorrow, Pureflix will be the exclusive home for the streaming of the Lee Strobel documentary, The Case for Heaven. Now, Pureflix always has a seven-day free trial. You can go to pureflix.com, click on the button. There's a picture of Billy Hallowell talking to Lee Strobel. Seven-day free trial. So you can check in for seven days and then check out if you don't want to watch it. But we have made arrangements with Pureflix to get a couple of three-month subscriptions that are free. So you can really try this on and try it out. So in honor of the opportunity that we have for us to share with you these free subscriptions to PureFlix. On the other side of this break, I've asked Lee Strobel to join us for a conversation about the documentary, The Case for Heaven, what it meant to him personally, and how it can really start a revival of evangelism here in the United States. Lee Strobel joins me to talk about The Case for Heaven. Coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Do something productive with your money over the next three years. Invest in Dennis Wilson's real estate-backed 6% CD alternative. You know, with the current administration, you've got three things that you can do. You can stay in the market for the next three years and watch your account go up and down and see what happens. Option two is take your money, put it in the money market, hold on to it, and hope that the Fed raises interest rates. Or number three, you can put your money into our exclusive 6% account. You've got your money safe and sound in a hard asset over the next three years. At the end of three years, you evaluate where you want to be. You want to try the market? You go back. You want to put it into a CD? You go back. Or you just want to reinvest for another three years at 6%. But in the interim, you have made 6% for three years instead of zero. Instead of riding the up and down elevator of the market or leaving your money in the bank earning nothing, you could earn 6% over the next three years guaranteed with Wilson Financial Services. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970 for simply better alternatives. Anytime you hear the phrase, the case for, you automatically think of Lee Strobel, but I really want you to think about it as we talk about the case for heaven, the brand new documentary that is now available on PureFlix, and you're going to get a chance to watch it for free at the end of this conversation. Lee Strobel, welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. Well, thanks, Roger. Great to be with you again. It's great to be with you, too, especially because this is something your book came out on this title. I've seen you preach on this a couple of times. And now, of course, the fact that the movie, The Case for Heaven, is streaming exclusively on Pure Flix beginning July the 15th. Uh, not every one of your books necessarily reads like a documentary, but this one you felt was a little bit different. What was the reason for that? Well, you know, I think that um, people these days are asking questions about the afterlife more than ever. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we just came through this pandemic. Um, 30% of Americans know someone who's died during the pandemic, my brother. Mm-hmm. 
Ray, uh, my older brother, died during the pandemic. Um, And a lot of people, I think, are asking questions about uh, the afterlife. What really happens when we close our eyes for the last time in this world? Do we really live on? Is there any evidence beyond the Bible for that? And uh, so I think this is a a cultural moment where this topic is especially relevant. Leslie and I were at a restaurant not long ago, and uh, we got talking to the waitress, a young woman named Cameron, and all of a sudden she started to cry. And we said, what's wrong? And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. I almost didn't come into work today. We just lost a family member to COVID. And I thought, here's a young woman, probably 18 years old, probably never thought about death before. She's like, you know, why should she? She's just a teenager. Uh, got a whole life ahead of her. But now death has come knocking on her family's door. And you can see the anxiety and the apprehension uh, in her eyes. So I think this is an especially relevant topic today. Yeah, it sounds like it, especially as so many people are impacted by it, as you mentioned. And I realized that when you wrote this book, you know, coming from the perspective of a man of faith who's been a Christian for a number of decades and came from your background as being a, a skeptic, you know, what's happened to my wife, Leslie, these people right. got a hold of her, you know, just want to brainwash her. But now you have such yeah. a perfect ministry opportunity to share with people. I wonder, though, when you write a book like The Case for Heaven, were you thinking in terms of people in the body of Christ? Were you thinking of this might be a good uh, evangelism or discipleship to it? What was God telling you, Lee Strobel, when you were writing the book The Case for Heaven that translated into the movie? Well, I definitely want to encourage believers, but I, uh, I'm i an evangelist at heart, so I love it to see when um, people outside the faith uh, find uh, hope and redemption to, uh, through the words of Jesus in the book and um, so I, it started out, um, you know, when I almost died a few years ago, my wife found me unconscious. Um, I woke up in the emergency room and the doctor looked at me and said, you're one step away from a coma, two <laughs> steps away from dying. And I hovered between life and death for quite a while until the doctors were able to save my life. And even though I'm a believer, um, when you're faced with the reality of maybe dying, it, 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 it becomes the most important thing in your life, what really does happen when I close my eyes for the last time. And uh, that's what kind of prompted me to say, yeah, I believe what the Bible teaches, but, um, you know, does it make sense? Is it logical? Does it stand up to reason? Does it stand up to scrutiny? And so I took my journalism training and my legal training and spent a few years uh, really delving into this subject and ultimately writing the book. And then I was approached by Manny Sandoval, a great director out of Phoenix, uh, who said he wanted to turn it into a documentary. And I said, sure, because I know some people would rather watch a movie than read a book. Mm-hmm. And uh, we traveled all around the country. Oh, my goodness. From New York to Chicago to L.A. to uh, Louisiana, Houston, Chicago. I mean, all over the place filming this movie. And wow. it was a great experience. The whole thing was unscripted. I never knew what he was going to ask me. Mm. And um, we interviewed some some great people as well. How did you determine whom? Because I'm reading more and more of these, I guess they call them NDE books, these near-death experience books where people are telling yeah. their account. And, you know, to, to determine how many of them, I mean, you could probably go on for months, if not years, you know, tracking down everyone. How, how, did, he, uh, f- how did he find out, you know, the ones that he wanted you to meet and have conversations with? Yeah, uh, you know, I started as a skeptic of near-death experiences. I, I thought there's got to be another explanation for these. But then I found uh, 900 scholarly articles published in scientific and medical yeah. journals over the last 50 years on this topic. And this is a well-researched area of science. In fact, The Lancet, which is a famous British medical journal, um, concluded that there are no alternative explanations that can account for this phenomenon. Um, and so I really pursued cases in which we had corroboration. Okay. Um, you know, if someone says, oh, I died, I went to heaven, I met Jesus, he's five foot nine, nice guy. I don't know. <laughs> People have lied about that and, and yeah. um, made stuff up. So, But I was looking for corroboration. In other words, people who see things or hear things while they're in an out-of-body experience that they could not have otherwise seen or heard. Okay. Uh, like Maria, who died in the hospital of a heart attack, was uh, dead. Uh, and yet she said later, I was alive the whole time. My spirit separated from my body. I was watching the resuscitation efforts on my body. My spirit floated up and out of the hospital. And when she was revived, she said, oh, by the way, there's a, a man's tennis shoe on the roof of the hospital. And it's left-footed. It's dark blue. There's some wear over the little toe. And the shoelace is tucked under the heel. And so they go up to the roof <laughs> of the hospital, and sure enough, there it is. Oh, wow. Um, that's the kind of corroboration I was looking for. And I found multiple, multiple cases like that. In fact, 
One of the studies I, I reviewed was a study of 21 blind people, half of them blind since birth, and yet during the out-of-body experience, they were able to see many for the first time. And, uh, and yet when they recovered, they were blind again. And as one researcher told me, this is just medically impossible. Mm-hmm. And yet here are some good corroborated cases. So what does this do? This tells us the Bible's telling us the truth. When uh, the Apostle Paul said to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, Jesus said to the repentant uh, criminal on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. So in other words, the, the afterlife has two phases. The first is when we die, our soul separates from our physical body and lives on. Um, and then the second stage is when Jesus returns at the end of history. That's when we receive our resurrected body. We undergo final judgment. And ultimately, we spend eternity in a very physical place, whether it's heaven or hell. So um, this is just good external corroboration of what the Bible tells us. And, and the, you know, the shocking thing is that I interviewed John Burke for the movie and uh, in the book. John Burke is, golly, I've known John for maybe 30 years. We were pastors together uh, at a church in Chicago for a while. Uh, he is a pastor of a church in Austin, Texas. He studied a thousand near-death experiences. And his conclusion is, if you look at what actually takes place in, in a common near-death experience, not how people interpret what happens, but what actually takes place, it's consistent with Christian theology. Wow. That, that is so powerful to hear from this, this testimony from Lee Strobel, not only of someone who's interviewed uh, hundreds of people who have gone through this experience, but also has gone through it himself. When you read the book, The Case for Heaven, you can read more about that. But now there's a new documentary. It, it had a theatrical release a couple of months ago, and now it's going to be streaming exclusively on Pure Flix starting Friday, July the 15th. It's a documentary called The Case for Heaven. We've got a link for the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. And at the end of our conversation today, we'll be giving away a couple of Pure Flix uh, trial subscriptions so you can check this out for free. Uh, Lee, when you look at this, I mean, I realize that you came in as somewhat of a skeptic. You know that there are people who look at your work and say, I love Lee Strobel. I've I've talked to so many people who say Lee Strobel led me to faith, even though we've never met each other, just because I've been reading his Mm -hmm. books and things like that. But at the same time, too, I realize there, I I remember seeing something that was on Amazon. There are people who are really adamantly against you i mean is there a case for against yes. the you know the website or something like that that yeah and you get you get those attacks all the time what kind of criticisms have yeah. you gotten from people who said i read your book i saw your documentary and i think you're full of who yeah i mean i don't get a lot of direct stuff i know people uh, tweet mm-hmm. and uh they go in with an attitude or with a um often with a closed mind um and i don't think they evaluate the evidence um as i did which is someone with an open mind trying to find the truth i mean i started out as an atheist spent two years of my life investigating the evidence for the resurrection of jesus and concluded that it's true and of course if it is true that means jesus um teachings about the afterlife about heaven and hell ought to be listened to Amen. because he is yeah. who he claimed to be the unique son of god so, you know, I think any apologist, any evangelist face, uh, faces criticism from people. Um, I always think of the words of Jesus that, um, you know, um, we should rejoice when we're um, uh, criticized um, because great is our reward in heaven. Amen. Amen. And I, I think that's such a wonderful, healthy way to respond spiritually to any kind of verbal or whatever attacks that there might be. And, and I can assure you that sure. whatever criticism anybody would have, of this project uh, should be easily erased by the power of the Holy Spirit and watching the movie, The Case for Heaven, the documentary. Lee Strobel, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We've got a link for the movie, The Case for Heaven, trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's streaming on Pure Flix starting on Friday, July the 15th, and you can get a free trial subscription to seven days if you go to pureflix.com. But we're going to have a longer trial freebie uh, for you on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. You're unlikely to surprise Brian Edgel, a real estate broker with a law degree. K-Bright's smart choice home seller has sold over 400 homes, likely including one in your area. Brian's longevity in the real estate industry equips him to help you navigate tricky situations that a less experienced real estate agent might not have encountered before. Recently, a client needed to sell a home contained in a trust. With his legal background, Brian has written his own trust in the past. He's also been the successor trustee for his own parents, so he can 
could easily explain all the confusing details to the client. Brian has sold homes in foreclosure for clients in bankruptcy. After 20 years of selling homes, Brian prefers to handle the process personally instead of handing off the transaction to an assistant because he knows how to communicate clearly to his clients, eliminating the stress of the unknown. Call Brian Edgel now for qualified guidance at only 2.9% total commission. 800-969-3992. Again, 800-969-3992. Or go to smartchoicehomeseller.com. Fascinating conversation today here on The Bottom Line with Lee Strobel. We're talking about the case for heaven that is now at the first is a popular book then it was a uh, very popular uh, Fathom Events event and I know a lot of bottom line listeners like to go to those Fathom Events events in the theaters but now it is streaming on pureflix.com exclusively the outstanding uh, Christian streaming service and so during the interval here well Lee's going to join us again on the other side of this break for more of this conversation we've got a free subscription to pureflix to give away now this is a three-month subscription so basically what happens is you'll call whoever the winner is going to get uh the the code from pureflix you can sign up for the pureflix account anybody who signs up for pureflix can sign up for a seven-day trial but think of this as a three-month free trial to pureflix before you get into the subscription-based service so you can watch the case for heaven and everything else that they have 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. Teresa's taking your calls right now. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Talking with Lee Strobel today about the case for heaven. And this is a documentary that you will not want to miss. Lee had the privilege of traveling the country with a production team who had arranged interviews with him for people. All these people had what we would call near-death experiences. And these are experiences that can only be explained supernaturally and where they they basically were taken to heaven and then returned to earth. Um, amazing how whatever physical ailment they were dealing with before their near-death experience, when they came back to earth, they still had that ailment. But the corroborating of the proof and the truth is just really remarkable. So this is a movie that I recommend. It's a documentary, factual. It's not fabricated per se. And we've got a free subscription to pureflix.com a three-month subscription where you can watch the case for heaven and everything else they're offering 800-227-5278-800-227-5278-800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line we'll take a quick break when we come back my conversation with lee strobel continues as the bottom line show returns in just a moment stephanie cover of cover law has a reputation for excellence not just among previous clients, but also among colleagues. I'm an attorney. I've had clients that have issues in the area that Stephanie works in, and she's my first referral source. First of all, the area that she works in is an area where it's not that easy to find attorneys that I feel comfortable with. I think she has a lot of empathy, which helps because sometimes we attorneys don't have as much as we should have. She's extremely detail-oriented. She's very conscientious and just does a really kind of exceptional, almost overboard job in in preparing cases. I've never had anybody come back with any negative comments. Everybody's been very happy with, you know, her professionalism and the way that she approaches cases. Choose the personal injury attorney with personal integrity. Stephanie Cover of Cover Law, 877-214-4935. Lee Strobel is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. The Case for Heaven, the outstanding new documentary from Lee, had a Fathom Events run back in April, and now it's available on PureFlix at pureflix.com. I highly recommend you check this out, especially if for no other reason to hear Lee Strobel talk about how he went from kind of being a skeptic with regard to uh, the whole near-death experience to actually having one on his own. Lee, do you ever have that conversation with God and say, why me? Why do I have to be the skeptic all the time? who then goes and goes through this whole process, you know, from, <laughs> no, from just, go ahead. I was going to say, just to clarify, when I had my brush with death, I didn't have a technical near-death experience. Um, okay. I had a brush with death. I almost Got died, it. but I didn't have that experience where I was clinically dead my, and my spirit separated from my body. So, but it did intrigue me enough to find out uh, that so many other people have. I mean, the numbers are really quite staggering. And the other thing about that is 23 or 24% of people who have near-death experiences have a very negative experience. Hmm. Um, you know, for our movie, we interviewed um, Howard Storm, 
who was an atheist. He was an art professor at a university, secular university. Uh, he died in the hospital, but he said he survived it. He was alive the whole time. Uh, had a horrific experience where he was literally torn apart by demons and um, called out to Jesus. Jesus rescued him. Uh, and when he was finally revived, he said his life was absolutely transformed. In fact, he resigned his tenured position at the university. He renounces atheism. He not only became a Christian, but he became an ordained pastor. And now he's a pastor of a little church in rural America. So it, it really transformed his life. But a lot of people have don't have a positive experience in their near-death encounter. They have a, a very frightening experience. Mm -hmm. There are three people in my world over the past 12 months who are now home with the Lord. And you mentioned COVID earlier, how responsible for the, yeah. the death of your brother. And uh, uh, my first wife succumbed to uh, COVID-related illness about a year ago. And oh. had, my oldest friend had cancer, but he was fighting cancer bravely and then got COVID and everything just went, you know, the wheels came oh. hard as it were. It really yeah. did change my perspective in terms of how we live today. I mean, I, we, we've been talking about the yeah. mind, body, spirit type of issue, but it changed things in terms of, you know, looking at today a lot differently than I had at this point. Well, how did making this documentary for you, Lee Strobel, did, you, did the process of the film bring you even closer into that kind of spiritual realm? Or was it something that said, now that I've had this experience, I want to tell these stories for other people to see? Well... The whole experience, including the filming of the documentary, um, it just it brings this forefront, you know. And when you think about it, why shouldn't we ponder these things today rather than waiting until we're on our deathbed? And we're going to spend a lot more time in eternity than we're going to spend in this world. Amen. And so if it's relevant at the point of death, what happens when we die, it ought to be relevant now, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you're right, it does change the way you live your life. Um uh, you know, I, I, it makes me more compassionate toward people who are suffering. Yeah. It makes me yeah. more adamant about sharing my faith with others. I, one of the people I interviewed for the book was Luis Palau, the famous yeah. evangelist mm -hmm. who um, was on his deathbed and about to pass into heaven. And I, I said to him, I said, Luis, um, when you're in heaven after a while, if you were to send a text message back to all the Christians uh, in the world, what do you think you'd say? And uh, he thought about it for a second, and he said, uh, I think I'd say, go for it. In other words, mm. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, in other words, you know, share this message of hope and heaven to people. He said, um, you know, this is our one opportunity to tell people there is hope. And mm. his name is Jesus. And, and you can meet him. You can know him personally. You can know him for eternity. Um, and I, I thought it was a pretty good word from uh, Luis, who uh, yeah. passed into heaven uh, not long after my interview. Mm, well, I bet that was a special time, just the fact that he's led so many people to faith and for you to have that opportunity to be able to walk with him literally yeah. as you're kind of helping him toward the finish line. That just that how, how beautiful that is. You know, Lee, when you wrote The Case for Christ, you, you kind of identified the fact, OK, I'm an investigative journalist. There's a process to this. I'm going to knock down all the evidence and wind up corroborating all of it instead about the, the, yeah. the, the faith in Christ is real. Um, I remember you talking about the four E's, I think they were, with regard to what led yeah. you to Christian mm -hmm. faith. And I would imagine as more people are having these near-death experiences, they'll see a movie like this, and then someone might be more willing to say, okay, I'm curious, but I'm still not quite there yet. Yeah. Walk, walk through those four E's with sure. us to help somebody who would be potentially leading someone to faith after having an experience with the documentary, The Case for Heaven. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, Jesus clearly claimed to be the Son of God, but anybody could claim to be that. Right. If he died and then returned from the dead, that's good evidence he's telling the truth. So the four E's, first E is for execution, that Jesus was truly dead after being crucified. Even the Journal of the American Medical Association carried an analysis of the death of Jesus and concluded, quote, um, clearly the weight of the historical and medical evidence indicates that Jesus was dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted. Uh, second E stands for early. We have early accounts or reports that he rose from the dead. In fact, we have a report uh, including the names of specific eyewitnesses and groups of eyewitnesses uh, to the resurrected Jesus that's been dated back by scholars to within months of his death. I mean, that is far too quick, I believe, to be written off as merely a legend. Right. Uh, third, we have an empty tomb. And the strongest evidence for that is even the opponents of Jesus implicitly admitted that the tomb was empty. Uh, they just tried to say the disciples stole the body, even though they didn't have the motive or the means or the opportunity. And then the, for, the fourth E stands for the word eyewitnesses. You know, most of the facts that we accept as true about the ancient world is based on one or maybe two good sources. 
And yet for the conviction of the disciples that they encounter the resurrected Jesus, we have no fewer than nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the risen Jesus. That is an avalanche of historical data. And that's what ultimately led me uh, to faith in Christ from my days as an atheist. Yeah, those are good reminders, too, especially as you watch this film, this documentary, The Case for Heaven, as you experience it with other people, too, as more and more people are starting to get together again, as with pandemic moves to endemic, yes. people are kind of accepting, okay, COVID, it's a way of life now, and we just have to learn how to manage it better. It does give us more opportunities, and I would imagine this is a, a great opportunity for pastors or small group leaders, too, Lee, to, uh, to have this dialogue Absolutely. with people in their group. Um, is there special curriculum for that yet, or is that in the works? What, what's on the there, horizon? There is. Yeah, we, we have a curriculum. It's a five-week uh, video-driven curriculum where I do some teaching for about 20, 25 minutes, and then discussion and so forth, and that's available as well uh, if people want to do that. Uh, but I, I hope people use this film as an, an outreach um, opportunity and invite their friends to watch it together and uh, and have a discussion about what they see. Absolutely. What's on the horizon for Lee Strobel? Got about 60 seconds left in our time together. Well, I've started a center for evangelism and apologetics at Colorado Christian University. Uh, we've launched 91 accredited fully online courses in apologetics wow. and, and uh, evangelism. Uh, people can go to strobelcenter.com and get all the information there. Well, that's just in your spare time, right? When you're not writing and doing documentaries. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. I'm well, getting Lee, old. I, I turned 70, so I don't know how many more books I got in me. Oh, I think you're just getting warmed <laughs> up. You're Tony Evans, Michael Youssef. You guys are all just getting warmed up here. Hey, Lee Strobel, always great to get some time with you here today. Uh, the Case for Heaven documentary begins its streaming run on Pure Flix, exclusively on Pure Flix, on Friday, July the 15th. We've got a link for the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. Lee, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thanks, Roger. Love being with you. Blessings to you and your listeners. Well, it's always great to get some time with Lee Strobel here on the Bottom Line Show. And the brand new movie, The Case for Heaven, is up at pureflix.com. We've got the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we have another three-month subscription to Pureflix to give away. So if you'd like to sample not only the Lee Strobel movie, The Case for Heaven, but also any of the other fare that's available uh, at pureflix.com. Uh, Teresa's got that uh, giveaway for you right now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. And, you know, I was talking earlier in the uh, program about persecution, that outstanding article that Leela Gilbert of Family Research Council has written about the number of Christians who are being persecuted right now. And, you know, I have to wonder if God is using these near-death experiences to offer more concrete, tangible evidence of not only his existence, but the reality of the need for understanding heaven and understanding hell. And as we see people all over the world, especially in African nations, coming to faith in Christ out of Islam, uh, coming to faith in Christ through visions and dreams and things of that nature, to have people who would say, this is what I saw, I believe I've been to heaven, it's one thing. You could say, well, maybe you had a dream of heaven. I get that. But then, as Lee Strobel was pointing out, he says, you know, you got a woman who was talking about, uh, I think the woman who was blind, who said she was taken up out of the hospital where she was. And she said, by the way, on the top of the roof, there's a man's shoe with the tongue tied underneath. And they went up on the roof and found exactly what she described. There's no way she could have seen that unless she had had the experience that she did. So, there's a difference between somebody had a dream and somebody had a vision and somebody experienced something. And the Lee Strobel documentary, The Case for Heaven, is all about that experience. Uh, we've got one free three-month subscription to Pure Flix left to give away. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, on the other side of this break, I want to take a look at an interesting story that kind of goes hand in glove with what we were, have been talking about here. Because if you ever get the feeling that we're living in a culture right now where one side isn't really, uh, one side's thinking clearly and the other side doesn't quite have both feet in the batter's box. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, there's a very, very interesting study that was reported uh, from the American Journal of Political Science. And it's interesting... <laughs> Because about 10 years ago, they made headlines by making a statement about the difference between liberals and conservatives with regard to whom was actually thinking clearly, who was actually, um, well, I, I, 
they, the assertion that they made in the American Journal of Political Science in 2012, there was a paper that was written that said psychoticism was more common among people who were conservative than liberal. And this was at a time in American history when you saw we were at the second term of the Obama-Biden administration. Liberalism was really swinging high. As a matter of fact, progressivism was knocking at the door. And a lot of people in the conservative ilk were like, what's going on here? You know, did, 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 did I miss something? <laughs> Has America changed that much? Then this report came out in 2012 and basically confirmed what all the liberals have been saying for a long time. You Republican right-wing nut jobs are crazy. You're nuts. Um, well, it turns out that upon further review, <laughs> the play on the field has been overturned, as the referee might say, and now a reworking of the statistics, a re-examination of the data has proven that actually the opposite may be true when it comes to the condition of psychoticism. We'll talk about why this is an important development coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, still taking your calls at 800-227-5278. We've got copies of Lee Strobel's documentary uh, that are available on PureFlex right now. We're not giving away the DVD per se. The Case for Heaven documentary uh, was released as a Fathom Events event, and before it goes to hard copy, DVD, Blu-ray, etc., it's going to be streaming exclusively on pureflix.com, great uh, faith-based streaming service. We have a free three-month subscription to PureFlix right now, and we're giving it away, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Okay, let's dig into this story here because I, I'll be honest with you. This could have gone one way or the other, and I'm just happy that they finally got it right. Now, the fact that it does lean in favor, a more favorable story for conservatives than uh, than lefties or whatever, uh, that I mean, that that's nice. It's kind of reassuring, but it's um, it's very interesting. About 10 years ago, the American Journal of Political Science published a study that a lot of people had been referring to at that time that said, quite frankly, conservatives were more likely to have traits associated with a condition called psychoticism than liberals. And of course, the left-leaning media took that to, well, see, if you watch Fox News, if you go to church, if you want listen to Rush Limbaugh, blah, 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 then you're psychotic, and there's something wrong with you, and we're the normal ones. And you know, it's interesting how many people would take something like that to heart. It's, a, it's interesting to me, and I've always marveled at this there's a time when you're young and somewhat innocent and naive and you look at um you know what's happening in the world and you look at it through the lens of what you want to hear what you want to see what you want to know and that becomes your standard case in point we could take an example from both political parties as an example of this for our openers how about democrats and the january 6th commission now, I know there are probably some bottom line listeners who are saying, wait a minute, Roger, that, that was dangerous. It was a threat to democracy. Eh, I mean, I've I got to be honest with you. The 9-11 attacks looked like they were a bigger threat to democracy than a bunch of crazy guys wearing, you know, goat's heads or whatever and, and running into the, the Capitol. Everybody's shown their own video. Here's uh, Dr. Simone Gold with America's Frontline Doctors uh, calling for peace and calm. And here's the guy with the hat in Nancy Pelosi's office, you know, I mean, we know that there were some people who wound up losing their lives as a result. There was one Capitol police officer who shot one of the intruders. The jury's still out as to whether or not the doors were open for them to come in, if there was a conspiracy to plan. It seems to me right now that the Democratic Party appears to be in full campaign mode. Well, January 6th, and Donald Trump, and that's why you got to vote Democrat, and Roe versus Wade was overturned, that's why you got to vote Democrat, and, and the, the whole, next week I'll get into Super Tuesday, Molly Hemingway at The Federalist wrote an outstanding piece about an executive order that President Biden signed into law, remember he was doing that whole flurry his first month in office, I think it was in February 7th or something like that, he signed an executive order into law that basically turned any kind of uh, federally run uh, like employment office or, you know, unemployment place, this, that, and the other thing, into a campaign recruiting site for Democratic Party operatives. It's a fascinating story when people say, oh, the election wasn't stolen. Well, you could easily say that it was rigged. And Molly Hemingway makes a great uh, 
case for that. But the January 6th case to leftist Democrats is this was the end of our democracy. But the January 6th case to conservative Republicans was, I mean, I, if you listen to the bottom line show on January 6th, 2021, I interviewed a guy who was there who said, we didn't see any of this. There were a million plus people here. And this is a couple hundred who got into the Capitol. I mean, I, we had no idea this was going on. It wasn't that big of a deal. We didn't hear Donald Trump say, everybody go storm the castle now and whatever. They didn't hear it. So two decidedly different pictures of what actually went down. Flip the script now. The overturning of Roe versus Wade. Conservatives look at overturning Roe versus Wade and say, hey, finally, the justices got it right. They had a huge overstep 49 and a half years ago, and now they've corrected course. Leftists and liberals will say, oh, women are losing access to health care. This is the end of women's rights, and, and uh, we, we need to change the Supreme Court. We think democracy needs to be overturned. New report out of, I think it was New York Times, 58% of Americans on the Democrat side of the equation think that democracy needs a redo, that we need to expand the Supreme Court from 9 to 13, or we need to just blow up the Supreme Court by appointment and then make them all elected positions. So you can see people have various different opinions about what's right and who's right and what's wrong. It's always been my experience as a more conservative thinker to focus on what is right versus who is right. Because in God's economy, there is truth, God's truth. And then there's whatever the world wants to believe is true. That's a huge difference. To the left, it's what do I like and do I find enough people who agree with me and I'll just surround myself with those people and the minute somebody else comes in and says, hey, you know, the real truth is, oh, no, it's not. No, 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 I can't possibly be. I don't want to hear you. La, 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 la. That's why 97% of college professors give to leftist causes. It's an echo chamber. In 2012, the American Journal of Political Science published a story that said that when it comes to psychoticism among people at different political parties, that conservatives are basically crazy and liberals are the only ones who are thinking straight. But now they've had to go back and issue a retraction. The 2012 paper that they cited, they now claim, quote unquote, has an error Here's their explanation. The journal said in a startling correction, as reported by the New York Post, quote, the interpretation of the coding of the political attitude items in the descriptive and preliminary analyses portion of the manuscript was exactly reversed. The descriptive analyses report that those higher in Eisenhike's psychoticism are more conservative, but they're actually more liberal. And where the original manuscript reports those higher in neuroticism and social desirability are more liberal are actually more conservative. In the paper, psychoticism is associated with traits like being tough-minded, risk-taking, sensation-seeking, and impulsive, and authoritarianism. The social desirability scale measures people's tendencies to answer questions in a way that they believe uh, would please researchers, even if it means overestimating their positive characteristics and underestimating negative ones. According to uh, Thomson Reuters' Web of Science, the erroneous report now has been cited at least 45 times in major media publications and academic journals. Uh, it's very interesting. Brad Verholst is a researcher at the Virginia Commonwealth University and co-author of the paper, and he said, quite frankly, I don't know where this happened. I don't, all I know is that it happened. It's our fault for not figuring this out before. Whoa, wait a minute. Somebody wants to take responsibility for this? I'm shocked. You must be conservative. There's a publication blog called Retraction Watch that tracks and corrects academic papers. The journal said that the error does not change the main conclusions of the paper, which found that, quote, personality traits do not cause people to develop political attitudes. In other words, you're not born Republican, you're not born Democrat. But Professor Stephen Leducchi at the University of Southern Denmark it was the one who pointed out the errors and said, you know, quite frankly, uh, actually, they matter quite a lot. The erroneous results represented some of the larger correlations between personality and politics ever reported. They were reported and interpreted repeatedly in the wrong direction, which I think he's also saying actually <laughs> proves their point. 
So what should we in the body of Christ make of this retraction? We'll talk about that on the other side of this break because the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. This is a fascinating article in the New York Post that we're posting at thebottomlineshow.com. It cites a study that was published in 2012 in the American Journal of Political Science that said basically psychoticism was associated with uh, conservative values. Dr. Brad Verholst is a researcher at Virginia Commonwealth University, is the co-author of the paper. He said he didn't know how this happened, but basically it turns out that the descriptive analyses report that those higher in the Eisenex psychoticism are more conservative. Uh, it turns out they're actually more liberal. The original manuscript reports that those higher in neuroticism and social desirability are actually more conservative and not liberal. Now, I don't know that neuroticism is a, is a way to be, but that social desirability really got my attention. When people, I mean, I'm not suggesting that everybody who's conservative is also a Christian. I, I think that's a bit naive. But the idea that there are people in our world today who are in the body of Christ, who do have a more conservative biblical worldview that they're living out, they do have a social desirability. Doesn't that sound familiar? What does scripture tell us about the fact that the man or woman who lives by biblical principles, who lives those principles out in public, who lives them out everywhere they go, when that man or woman is speaking boldly in the truth, but doing so in a way that honors God, even their enemies get along with them. Remember that passage? The idea that we in the body of Christ are always going to be maligned by somebody, always going to be attacked by somebody, always going to have someone breathing down our necks. I'll tell you, that, I, that kind of permanent victimhood, it's a dangerous attitude to have. Now, I mentioned at the start of the hour that there are men and women who are literally fearing for their lives because of their faith. Their faith has put them at odds with the culture they're in, especially our brothers and sisters who are Christians living in Iran and also our brothers and sisters living in uh, uh, Afghanistan. And then Nigeria, of course, is a place where Christians are being just maligned horribly right now. But isn't it interesting how Scripture tells us that when we are living good and godly lives that honor him, that he will grant us favor. He will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies, David tells us in Psalm 23. He will anoint our head with oil and our cup will runneth over with good blessing. A lot of people look at Isaiah 25 and say, well, no enemy or no weapon formed against me will prosper, but that's aimed at God, not just at us. But for those of us in the body of Christ who have what the researchers might call a conservative worldview, we actually have a better shot at making better decisions and thinking more clearly. And we need to be in prayer for people who have a more progressive worldview, who the study now shows actually are closer to uh, episodes, potentially, not all, but potentially of psychoticism. That's your $64,000 word for the day. Lord, please help us to be understanding, compassionate, thoughtful, reverent, Share our faith with others with gentleness and respect as your word commands us to do. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. And that is the bottom line for that. For our KCBC audience, Rabbi Schneider coming up next with Discovering the Jewish Jesus. For those who remain on the full network, this week's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is coming up next as the bottom line continues.